Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and I have Meg Letty, who's a PA, joining me on the show today. I'm really excited to dive into the topic of burnout with Meg, but welcome to the show, Meg. We're happy to have you. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad we got to connect. Yeah, totally. So we met at the AAPA conference because we attended this burnout symposium. So do you mind introducing yourself, Meg, and what kind of brought you to that symposium at the conference and why you're so passionate about burnout? Yeah. So my name is Meg Letty. I've been a physician assistant for, gosh, I want to say 17 years now, Um, and all of it in surgery. I spent nine of uh, the years in surgery in CT surgery and burned out gloriously where I ended up in a bathroom crying. Oh man. <laughs> um, thinking there has to be a better way. I can't do this anymore. And that was the point where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do everything to, and be everything to everybody. Um, and that's when I really started investing in me. Um, and you talk about investing money. Well, I talk about investing in me. Awesome. Um, so I, What was really interesting about it and and why I started my podcast was I really didn't feel like I had time for anything and I didn't know where to get resources. Even though my institution had them, I just didn't, I didn't feel like I had the time. And so I started my podcast because I learned how to integrate really small things when I first started um, kind of recovering from my burnout that took like 30 seconds. And then, you know, that built on itself. And I always call it like, like the snowball where it just gets bigger and bigger and kind of builds on itself. And so that's really why I started my podcast is to give really busy people that feel like they don't have time to breathe. How do you recover from burnout when you feel like you've got no time? Well, you can, it's possible. I'm living evidence of it. And so that's really why I started the podcast is just for people, it's usually quick. It's anywhere from like 15 to 30 minutes. Um, and it's really things that you can integrate into your busy life. And so that's really, I'm just so passionate about this because I don't want anybody to have to sit in a bathroom crying with their health and their mental health, having um, a toll taken on it as a, as a PA. That just, I don't want that for anybody. And so I'm super passionate about bringing awareness to burnout And how do we integrate wellness into our day and into our culture of medicine, which is a whole nother thing. And so that's how I ended up at the AAPA um, um, symposium, because I love this stuff and I want to get it out to not only every PA, but every uh, medical worker 
and our students. Our students need help um, to create a good foundation to go out into their career and have be able to really not get burnt out. Um, and so that's that's my two cents. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Thanks for that background for sure. So how long ago do you feel like you started experiencing burnout? And then do you feel like it took a certain amount of time for you to recover? Or do you feel like it's kind of a work in progress where maybe you sometimes start slipping back, start noticing some symptoms again, and then you're able to do different things to try to recover again more quickly? Yeah. So um, burnout for me was really insidious. So if I look back, it was there at least early in my career, but I kept, you know, I kept trying to shift, shape shift and do different things. And I thought it was all, you know, in helping me. Um, but I think a lot of us, I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. I, you know, I'm a detail oriented. I make sure that all my I's are dotted and T's are crossed and, you know, striving for, I don't know if I, if I was striving for perfection, but it just felt like nothing was good enough. It didn't matter how hard I worked, um, what my paycheck was, what I was doing outside of my profession. It just felt like it was never enough. Um, sure. and so, I think that was there all along. And that was something that I definitely had to confront as I, you know, walked through my burnout. Um, and I am a work in progress. I fall back into it very easily. Um, and I definitely have to kind of keep pulling myself out and using the tools that I've put in place and all the tools in my toolbox. Sometimes I need one and the other ones don't work. And so I definitely am a work in progress. And I think that's, that's part of this. It's just, it's not a, a simple fix. I mean, I, I love surgery because we go in and we fix it. And we're like, okay, right. we're done. Sure. But that's not how it works with burnout. And so um, that's been a learning curve for me too. Yeah, totally. So back when you were burnt out, what types of symptoms were you experiencing? Because it sounds like everyone experiences burnout so differently. Yep. Um, so Knowing what I know now, I was having GI issues. Um, I was having menstrual cycle issues. I was having um, definitely my mental health suffered. I um, eventually, and I didn't know this at the time, so I had um, reflux, and just about everybody in CT surgery has reflux. I would say. I mean, it's a it's a high stress job. And so, you know, I took my PPI once a day and it was fine. And then all of a sudden it got really bad. And so I was taking a PPI twice a day. They started me on an H2 blocker. Um, they treated me for H. pylori, even though I tested negative for it. Nobody could figure out why I was just having symptoms all day, every day. And so they dropped an EGD down and I had yeast in my esophagus. Mm -hmm. And sure. the doctor came out and he said, are you immune suppressed? Is there something not on your chart? I didn't see that you were immunosuppressed. And I said, I'm not immunosuppressed. And he said, well, I've never seen this in an immune competent person. This is what I see in my, you know, AIDS, HIV patients. And so, and it didn't even hit home to me then that my immune system was so wrecked from all the stress I'd been under for so many years, I couldn't fight off yeast in my esophagus. And so I asked him like, what do I do about it? And he's like, I'll give you Diflucan, you know, seven days and you'll be fine. And so I took Diflucan, didn't miss a day of work, right? I didn't put it together until after the fact that I was just, I mean, 
my immune system was just wrecked. I had weird rashes. I mean, things that doctors were just like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with you. Sure. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how much stress and mental health and all sorts of things can manifest itself in physical symptoms? Yeah. And I think the other thing that I didn't realize, I think um, we had talked about this um, before, but the cynicism and then also, you know, just being so exhausted that I didn't have anything left to give number one, my patients, but number two, my family. And that for me manifested in being a really kind of rude person. I mean, I was just not being nice to my family. I was rude. I was short. I was snippy. Um, and, you know, after that, you know, people can tolerate that every once in a while, but after a while, my kids would start like immediately going like this when I was talking, cause they'd think I was going to yell. Mm. And my husband would just like walk out of the room when I walked in. Cause he's like, I don't want to be around you. So mm. it was years of this coming on. It didn't happen overnight, but after a while, it really takes its toll on your relationships, you know, your body. I mean, all of it. So it was, I was not in a good, <laughs> not in a good place. Yeah. Yeah, that's so tough for sure. But I'm glad that you were able to recognize it and seek help and, you know, dive into learning the material and things like that to try to help yourself. Do you mind sharing where you started with your education of how to try to help yourself with healing from burnout and try to help recover what types of resources you came across and those types of things? Yeah. So the the very first thing I did, which is really interesting to me, is an old friend reached out to me and was like, Hey, I'm doing this workout thing, you know, and I had just wrecked my foot. That was another thing. I had a personal injury. I fell down the stairs and I had just absolutely torn my foot apart. And she said this like system, you know, you can um, be at home and watch these videos and it's low impact to high impact. You choose what you do. And I really needed something because I used to run and I was like, I can't run with my foot. And so, um, and then she was like, Oh, and like, if you get the deluxe package, you get the shake with it or something. I mean, and I was so burnt out and I was so like, I can't handle one more decision. I was like, yes, just sign me up. Here's my credit card. Like, I don't care. Just sign me up. I wasn't, it was more painful for me to try to explain why I didn't want the shake than to just buy it. (laughs) Sure. And it was that dang shake that did it for me. So it was the one thing I did in the morning because I used to not eat breakfast. I would make the shake. It took about a minute. And they made you post it that you were drinking your shake every day. And then people were like, good job. Like they were like, good job drinking your shake. Good job. And I was like, I don't ever get good jobs ever. <laughs> like when I went at work or people saying like, good job, you did a great thing. And I was like, I'm just drinking a shake. I'm not saving people's lives here. I'm just drinking a shake. And the amount of support that this community offered and just, you know, the nutrition Um, I was a nutrition major. So it's not that I didn't know this stuff, but it all kind of came back to me about how much your gut interacts with your brain and how much I needed that. And so I was getting all of my veggies for the day in this shake. So that's where I started. And then once my brain kind of lit up about that, I went down a rabbit hole and I I just got every self-help book I could. I read all the research that I can. And it just, it's amazing to me how your mind and body are connected and all of the things, all the little hacks that we can do to tap into our physiological some, uh, systems to help our ourselves feel better. And so, you know, 
I try to put that all out there on the podcast as much as I can, because it, all of this stuff just amazes me. I'm like, how do they not teach us this in school, right? (laughs) We're not taught about finances and we're not taught about wellness in school. Yeah, right. Totally. So what are some of your favorite self-help books or books about burnout or any other resources that you would suggest for PAs to use? So I think a great book. And I actually gave it to, because burnout's really prevalent in teachers too. I gave this to all my kids, um, teachers, but I really like this book. It does have a very feminine, feminist bent to it, but it's Burnout, um, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. And it has just great information about burnout, how your body works um, with, with stress and how stress stays in your body. So I, I love this book as like, kind of like a beginner's book to burn out. And then if you want to go a little bit deeper into your like psyche and things that might be contributing to your burnout, let the gifts of imperfection by Brene Brown. And you can see like all of my little tabs on here because <laughs> it, it's one I keep going back to because it just talks about, um, there's like just great things in it that I just thought were so relevant to me. Like, um, being busy as a status symbol and feeling like if you're busier than everybody else, like you have this kind of righteousness. I don't know. Like for me, that was really a thing. And she was like, it's okay to take a nap or it's okay to rest. And that was something that I was like, I really had a tough time with because I have this, um, pull, I don't ever want to be called lazy. That's a really big thing for me. And so like being able to take a rest and like put my feet up, that was really hard for me. And it's something that I've had to really learn and try it. And I'm much better at it now, but my body is much more rested now and I feel better. So it just was very interesting. This book pulled out a lot of things in me that I didn't know were there. Awesome. (laughs) And that are rewarded in medicine, right? We get rewarded for always being on and constantly going and constantly performing. And so that was... um, that that book is really great. Wonderful. Thank you for those resources. I'll include them in the show notes for today's episode. But you touched on a couple of things. One is, I think that many of us PAs, unfortunately, have the type A overachiever mindset, right? Do you have to get good grades to get into PA school and be involved in lots of activities, whether it's your medical experience or volunteering or things like that too. So we're almost kind of set up for that before PA school where you just kind of go, go, go all the time and need to always be on, like you said, always do your absolute best, which is great, but there can be a time where rest is absolutely important to have to regenerate and to be able to continue to do well. And then the second thing about rest is that I just listened to the episode that you did about sleep on your podcast and mm-hmm. how that that can really affect your mind and burnout and things like that. Do you mind sharing a bit about the importance of sleep for people who are feeling burnt out or just to stay healthy overall? Yeah. So I read this incredible book called Why We Sleep. Um, the first uh, name of the gentleman is Matthew Walker, PhD. Just an amazing book because I knew sleep was important, but I didn't know how important it was for our brain. And so the question that he asked and why he became a researcher about sleep was evolutionarily, say we were cavemen and we're sleeping, we're putting ourselves at risk for death. And he was like, why didn't we over years and years and years 
shorten our sleep? Why, why do we still have to sleep so long? He was like, why didn't we over the years phase this out? And he was like, it must have a purpose if we're still doing this, you know, for eight hours or six hours, whatever we're sleeping per night. And so he started researching it and it affects every piece and part of your body. Like you want to lose weight, you got to sleep. If you, um, if you want to solve a problem. So here's, what's really interesting, which I didn't know about sleep. So in the first half of the night, you get your deep sleep. And that is where your brain pulls out all of your memories from the day and decides what do we need to keep? What can we throw away? Like we don't need to remember we tied our shoes today, but we may need to remember that new medicine that we learned. And then in the last half of the night, you take that, those memories and they get stored in long-term storage, but also it will integrate with the knowledge you already have. And so if you're trying to solve a problem, your brain will then pull during your REM sleep all of the other knowledge that you have to can to figure things out. And so that's why, like grandma used to say, we'll sleep on it and you'll feel better in the morning. Well, it's actually true. But what's really interesting about this, when we short sleep, which I think a lot of us do, I used to get about I mean, gosh, when my kids were young, I wasn't getting any sleep, but my normal was about five or six hours of sleep. And it was the first thing I pushed to watch TV, to scroll on my phone. It was the first thing I pushed back. Well, five to six hours of sleep is not enough sleep in order for us to have enough deep and the REM cycle to help our brains reset for the day. And the emotions get stripped from the memories during the REM cycle. And so if we shorten that REM cycle, which we do when we short sleep, we don't get the emotions stripped off the memories, which is really important for our mental health to be able to separate those two. And so he recommends sleeping between like seven and eight to nine hours a night. Um, And that was one of the things that I did um, in the beginning to help me feel better was taking back my bedtime. And it was more like I just was doing it because I was tired at the end of the day and I didn't want to deal with my children anymore. So I was like, I'm going to take back my bedtime, but it was probably the best thing I did for like that. my whole body health. <laughs> yeah, that's like, by awesome. By 9 p.m. I'm in bed. Nobody's talking to me anymore. Nice. Perfect. Cool. But yeah, an amazing, amazing science behind sleep. Um, we really need to sleep. And I think the difficult part in medicine too is I used to work night shift for a while um, and it can increase your cancer risk, can increase your cardiovascular risk by by working and not sleeping um, at night when we're when our bodies are normally meant to sleep. And so in Europe, they actually um, connected it with breast cancer for some nurses. And so that's kind of scary research. And and I know that people have to work at night and I know we have to cover patients all the time, but how do we integrate some wellness into that? And how do we make sure that people are taking care of themselves um, to combat that? So all very interesting stuff. Yeah. Awesome. So you might've already touched on this a little bit already with talking about rest and sleep and those types of things. But I would love to hear maybe the top couple or top three tips that you have for both treating burnout if a PA is already feeling burnout, as well as preventing burnout. Maybe they're the same. Maybe they're a little different, a little nuanced. Do you mind sharing some of those? Yes. So I would say that if you are feeling burned out and you feel like you have no time, I would say integrating some type of, and I I think a shake is just the easiest thing because you can get a bunch of veggies in and your gut health, your gut tells your brain how happy you are. And so getting those good things into your gut 
helps your mental health throughout the day. And so, you know, again, I started, it was like a scoop. I put in milk and then I blended it and it was out the door. So for 30 seconds, I got really a lot of bang for my buck by helping my gut tell my brain that I'm feeling good and, and help growing a healthy gut. So that's like one really simple thing. Um, and then I think the other things that helped me, and I always hated when people were like, have a mantra, like put it on, put a post-it on your, <laughs> on your <laughs> mirror in the morning. Yeah. But I have to say, taking a moment and setting an intention for my day has helped me. Meaning I know today is going to be rough. We've got 25 patients in clinic. We've got research patients. So I'll set my intention for the day to be, I'll say today, my goal is to like remain calm. And when I'm feeling stressed to take like three deep breaths and it really has made a difference. It doesn't mean that I don't get like crazy during the day and I get upset and mad and all of the feelings that I get, but if I, if it triggers me and I'm like, Oh wait, I said I was going to try to remain calm today. I'm going to take three deep breaths. And so nobody has to know about it. Sometimes it's when I go to the bathroom, I take my deep breaths and then I'm back in it. Um, but setting that intention for the day. So part of it is there's a brain science to it. So, um, there's something called the reticular activating system in your brain, and it basically receives four of your senses and, we don't receive everything from all of their inputs at all times, right? So you're listening to my voice right now, but you're not listening to the dog outside. So your reticular activating system is kind of the bouncer of your brain saying that's out. When you're setting an intention for the day, which again takes 30 seconds, you're telling your reticular activating system, that's what I want to bring into my day. So when I'm telling my reticular activating system, hey, I want to remain calm today. I want to take a few deep breaths when I get stressed it will let my bouncer will say, Oh, you're getting stressed. Let's take deep breaths. Like it will ping me because it's brain science behind it. So until I understood the brain science of doing these things, I didn't, I thought they were foo-foo, but they actually work. And so that's just another really quick thing that you can do. Cool. And then the other thing that um, really helped me was I have a commute and I used to get very angry when I was driving on my commute. And so I, put on Audible and I started listening to books. And I have to say, I'm a lot calmer driver because I'm listening to my book. Sure. So that was that was a big change for me. And again, these are simple things where like you download the app, it takes a few minutes, you look at a book that you want and it can really take your mind off of those people cutting you off in traffic and um, getting stuck in traffic. So though I, I try to do the easy things for people that are burned out that have no time. So those are like the really easy things. Yeah. If you're not burned out or you want to prevent burnout, I would say definitely invest time in your sleep routine. Super important. Um, Invest time in your food, what you're putting in your body, looking really closely at what you're putting in your body um, and how much you're moving your body. And it doesn't have to be crazy um, lifting weights like crazy and doing these um, HIIT workouts, although they're great. Moving your body simply like getting up and walking for a few minutes, stretching for a few minutes, um, just doing it throughout the day. Um, so those are, those are all things that I think help, can help prevent um, if you're not burned out. Um, those can really help. Cool. Thank you for sharing those pieces of advice. I think those are all great and wonderful. And certainly we learn about them. It's easier said than done sometimes. But I think that 
if you're able to be intentional and really remind yourself the importance of how you're trying to set your future self up to be well both physically and mentally and you can prioritize treating and preventing burnout in your life. And like you said too, it helps with your relationships as well with your friends and family too. And one thing that, um, and I think this goes with financial independence too. One thing I had a real um, tough time with was being worthy, being worthy of taking control of my finances, um, being worthy of taking control of my time, being worthy of saying no setting boundaries and saying, you know, like, I can't do that. My, my plate's full right now. So I think worthiness is at the heart of, at least it was at the heart of a lot of things for me. And I do think that gets to money issues also. So I would say really looking hard at, you know, where you feel worthy or maybe where you don't feel worthy. Um, I really had to get frank with myself about that. And I didn't, you don't understand how much you're telling yourself um, at least I didn't, how much I wasn't worthy of like doing all these things. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think that that's great too. trying to make sure that you are taking the time and understanding that it's important that you take care of yourself so that you're able to do the best in your life and at your work with your family, those types of things too. So I think that's great. Yeah. How do you think that being financially literate and pursuing financial independence as a PA can help with treating and preventing burnout for PAs out there? Yeah. So I just talked about this at a conference I was at. And so there's a great study that shows that uncontrollable stress makes your prefrontal cortex kind of go offline. And your prefrontal cortex is where your emotional regulation is. It's it's um, solving complex situations and tasks. And so it definitely plays into burnout. Um, and how we show up at our jobs. And, um, you know, having our prefrontal cortex offline can lead to medical errors. And this is all part of burnout. And so what's interesting is this study said that controllable stress does not take your prefrontal cortex offline. And so I talked a lot about in this workshop is um, how do we exert some control over our day? And what does that look like? And when you think about it, exerting control of your finances is extremely empowering. Um, and being able to say to yourself, like, I don't, I don't need that coffee. I, you know, like when, when I want a latte, I'm going to go get a latte, but I don't need it every day. And when you see those um, dollars and cents add up in your bank account and add up into your, um, in your retirement and, you know, you see it, you can almost see it immediately, right? That $5 isn't gone. That $20 isn't gone. You're seeing it immediately. That immediate feedback is really empowering. And again, you're putting control into your life, which helps your prefrontal cortex stay online and prevent burnout. And so things that we can control is really important to our brain health and, and really noticing what we can control. And so that's how I think the financial aspect of this fits in. And also, you know, being able, if you have financial independence, if you are really managing your money well, a lot of people that are burned out, um, again, there was a great study that said you need like four weeks off to bring your prefrontal cortex online. And people don't think that's an option for them. Or even taking um, a hiatus of, um, you know, two months or six months or a year. And if you have that financial independence, you can do that. And that can really help you recover from burnout and really, you know, set yourself up for well-being. And so I think the, those are just huge things that play into um, financial independence. Awesome. 
yeah, whether it's reaching financial independence or being intentional with your spending and only spending on those things that you value in the pursuit of financial independence, I think that all those things really help set you up for a life that brings you so many more options and where you don't feel stuck in life too. So I really appreciate that you shared that information and also that you joined me on the show today and shared your burnout story and your perspective on what PAs can do to try to treat and prevent burnout. So thank you so much for being on the show, Meg. I really appreciate it. Do you mind sharing where the listeners can find you, sharing about where your podcast is and what it's called and how they can connect with you if they have questions as well? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me because this is wonderful. Yeah. Um, so the website, uh, my website is uh, megletty.com, pretty easy. And um, my podcast is called Burnout, What I've Learned So Far with Meg Letty, and it's on all of the major carriers. Uh, so you can find it just about anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. And I'm on mostly Instagram, Meg Letty 923 on Instagram. And I'm not on Facebook as much, but um, Instagram is pretty much where to find me. Cool. And I just love this. So yeah. So if you're listening to the podcast, just share it. I just, I want to make sure PAs don't feel like they're out there alone suffering through burnout and they don't have any options because I was there and it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I hear you and I feel you as well. I think that there are so many PAs out there that can really use the information that you have and learn a lot and be helped a lot. So thank you for all that you're doing for the PAs. Well, thanks. thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.